0: Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Today, I'm speaking with someone that i followed on Twitter for a while now. Her name is Teresa Zoe Williams. She describes her life as a writer, homemaker, friend, and sister, wife, and mother of three spunky children, all for the sake of gospel joy. She received her B.A. in theology, catechetics, youth ministry, and English writing from Franciscan University of Steubenville. And she hosts a podcast that I've been listening to that comes out on Friday nights called Up Too Late Podcast. It's a comedy podcast, and I'm sure she's going to share a little bit about it today. So welcome to How They Love Mary, Teresa Zoe Williams.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me, Father Edward.
0: Well, it's nice it, to be here. Yeah, it's great to finally like meet you in this virtual world in which we record and uh, yes. to go beyond just the tweets that you send out, but but to get to know you as a person and and yeah. Um, You know, I think I became familiar with your work because, as you mentioned to me earlier, you write for Epic Pew, and uh, I I know I've seen your name. Did you ever write for a website called like Catholic Stand, or not Catholic Stand, Catholic Lane, or Ignitum Today, or anything like that? Oh,
1: Ignitum Today.
0: Yeah, yeah that's I used pro- to write for them. Yeah, me too. Back in the day. Uh, that's kind of okay. where I got my start, like, writing. So I, yeah, your name has always been familiar to me every time I saw it on Yours Twitter. as well. <laughs> and I probably started following you because of Ignitum Today or however you oh, say that man. website. yeah. It's still out there, actually. I don't know if is you can really? check it out. Uh, but it's still there. Um, I think they still oh, how publish fun. content and, and whatnot. But, uh, wow. Yeah. Anyways, that's neither here Good nor for there. Them. <laughs> beyond the scope of our conversation today but i'm glad that yeah. i was finally able to pinpoint where we cross paths in our yeah writing how funny life. is that yeah
1: so that's you, the lord at work right there because that was a long time ago <laughs>
0: that's right yeah actually that's where i really started writing as i mentioned uh, articles mm-hmm. and then kind of my goal was always i wanted to write for catholic exchange and so ah. when, I, when I was ordained, I, I submitted something to them. And so I was writing for Ignitum today really as a seminary and whatnot. So uh, I submitted to Catholic Exchange, and uh, they, they loved the piece I wrote. My first one was called Walking with Mary or something like that. And it was probably before Dr. Sri wrote his book of that title. But it was basically oh, yeah. like encouraging people to walk and pray the rosary. That was my first article. and. Well, since then, I've gone on to write probably hundreds of articles for Catholic Exchange. So uh, I love writing for them. And uh, I know that you're a writer. That's how you describe yourself. But you also describe yourself as a wife and a mother. And so today we're on a podcast about how they love Mary. It's a podcast about Marian devotion, generally speaking. And I'm just curious, how do you take Mary as a model for womanhood, for motherhood? How is Mary an example for you in your life?
1: Well, that is a loaded question. Like, How could she not be, basically? Um, In my life, Mary and I, well, I didn't get close to Mary until uh, my early adulthood after my mom died. Um, And that's kind of a, I think that's a natural thing. For Catholics, like when a parent dies or or someone close to you dies, you find Mary finally, mm. and you find comfort in her and um, and all of that. So, we've been getting to know each other for a while, and you know when I became a mom, I didn't have a mom anymore, and Mary was the first person that I looked to. Just for help through all of it, because, I mean, he might be the son of God and all of that, but Jesus definitely had poopy diapers. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, she she lived it um, and she was in it. Knee deep, at least, you know. Um, and when I had no one else or when my faith was faltering, Mary was there and I when my faith falters, my prayer is always Mary, just lead me back to your son. Mary, take me to your son. Oh, beautiful. And that's how I've been getting to know her as a mother. She really is a mother to us um, and really does lead us continually back to her son. But she's not pushy. She doesn't force you to do anything. She's the most gentle. And just she just wraps you in her mantle. Okay, we're just going to take one step at a time. And however many steps it takes, we're going to do it together. Um And in my life as a mother, I find that that's often how my kids need help or need me to be there for them. Just one step at a time, telling them that we're going to get through this little by little and together, step by step, incrementally. Um, And I think that's the biggest way that Mary has influenced my motherhood, teaching me how to be gentle and patient and not run but just step one step at a time.
0: Yeah, what you say there, you found Mary after your mother died and you're a very young lady. Uh, we're, we're probably about contemporary, same age. And and uh, so you've lost your mother at a very young age. But yet, it's kind of like, I always go back to and think of St. John Paul II. And the story is that when his mother died, he went to the altar at the church in there in Poland. And he said, Mary, now you have to be my mother, be a mother to me now. And so that's really what people find, I think. And this yeah. You think of Easter and how Mary probably believed that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. Watch the movie Resurrection uh, from Roma Downey, and you'll see this on yeah. abundant display, the great faith that she had in Jesus rising from the dead. You think that Mary went to the tomb probably between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Some mystics say she stayed there until the resurrection. And really, she was the first witness of the resurrection. But Mary knows what it means to grieve. She experienced the death of St. Joseph, she obviously experienced the death of others, Um, John the Baptist, Elizabeth zechariah these people she knew them and obviously she knew others who she came across uh, that we might know from sacred scripture as well but then she experiences the death of her only son and so she knows what it means to grieve and and uh, she can really i think help a person and as catholics we have that devotion to the hail mary pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. And I always think that that's a great comfort to know that when I die or when someone I love dies, that I know Mary was praying for them. And and that again, yeah. she can really be a source of comfort and consolation. Yeah.
1: I think if I had to guess at God's mind, I, I would think that that is his number one reason for giving Mary to us. That we have comfort and consolation on this path, which is not always easy as Catholics and it's not supposed to be, but we need someone who's always going to be there with us to get us through those times and bring us just always, always, always to him.
0: Yeah. You mentioned too, that you could identify with Mary as a mother because she cared for Jesus, she had an infant, she raised a boy, she saw Jesus's first steps, and really, then your motherhood can be lived out. I think in imitation of Mary, and maybe there are those moments where you say, "Well, what would have Mary done in this situation if this was her child?" Yes,
1: yes, I have, <laughs> I have done that a lot. In fact, um, yeah, I won't tell any embarrassing stories about my kids, but there have been some moments where I've been like what are you doing? And how do I respond to this? <laughs> and it is, it's, you're right. It's Mary that I turn to and say, what would you do? Uh, and she's always very gracious and forthcoming with answers. <laughs> Even if that just means just shut up and and live it right now. Just be quiet and be that for your child
0: right now. <laughs> um, You know, one of the things uh, that as we're going back and forth before this interview, you mentioned that really Mary inspired you to take a leap of faith, to do something that maybe was out of the ordinary for you. You started this comedy podcast. And so how did Mary really inspire you to take that leap of faith? I know that doesn't sound like something very linear, does it? We
1: don't automatically assume Mary's inspiring people to be comedians and I can't even say that I'm a very good comedian Uh, (laughs) but Mary was always unafraid and she was always authentically her through everything and I had been meditating on the wedding at Kena um, and kind of simultaneously a couple things happened in life everything shut down with the COVID pandemic I was reading Jen Fulweiler's Your Blue Flame book. Oh, sure. And I was meditating on the wedding at Cana. Now, comedy is something that I've loved for a long time. I'm a, a huge late night show fan. Um, I've been told in the past that I'd make a great talk show host um, and, and things like that. So those things were always kind of there. I'm a performer and a storyteller at heart. So then when all these three things kind of happened at the same time, I realized, like, at the wedding of Kata, Mary wasn't just, like, do whatever he tells you. She was intentional. And she it took a huge leap of faith from her to ask Jesus, like, do something for these people. They're suffering. Like, and no one else had the guts to ask him. You know, no one else believed in him as much as she did. And when he replied to her, and it almost kind of seems like a brush off to us, he's making sure that she wants this and that she understands what it brings. And, and that's when she doesn't even respond to Jesus, <laughs> which I think is really bold <laughs> to not respond to the son of God. Um, but she just turns to the serpents and says, do whatever he tells you. I know he'll take care of it. And how that inspired me. So I have this love of performing and comedy and storytelling. I'm told I'm funny. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I guess maybe I'm funny. <laughs> um, and I had had this idea to, to put it out there, to start a podcast. A bunch of my friends are podcasters um, and just do something. Like, I can't, as a mom right now, um, and of three little people like that, I can't just go out and necessarily perform in a comedy club or join a theater troupe or things like that, right? I am limited, in a sense. So I thought, hey, podcasting is actually something that I can do. It's growing in such
0: popularity, too.
1: Yeah. Plenty of people listen to them. People love them. What can I add to this? And I kind of heard in the back of my head, well, you you can do this. You can be the late night show host that you've always wanted to be. You can use your talents and your passions for storytelling and creativity and performing and do something that Catholics in a Catholic setting aren't doing, which is comedy. It's kind of an untamed frontier. For us, we do have Catholic comedians, of course, like the Gaffigans, but not in a specifically Catholic setting. Sure. Um, So the idea was born, um, and I prayed to Mary a lot about it. I was like, is this, because I asked her, you know, is this what I should be doing with my time and my talents? And is this even any good? And she basically, like, kind of put people in my life who were all, this is a great idea. I will help you with this. Um, A friend made my logo for me. Another friend taught me all the ins and outs of podcasting. Um, A friend donated my microphone um, so that I could do this. Um, And very gratefully, um, Adam over at Grexley and Catholic TV happened to see that I was going to start this and offered to pick it up so that I wouldn't have to do as much of the, the back end work like the editing and the producing and all of that. So I could focus on what I'm good at. So Mary never like directly answered me, but she put all of these other elements and people in my life that just kind of took care of everything for me. And to me, that's like, that's like her saying to the servants, just do whatever he tells you like, don't worry, we've got this. Um, And so I think about her too, because I don't want the podcast to be crude or too snarky, which I'm known to be, um, or, you know, I want to keep it in the right lane. And there's, there's space and time um, and places for all different kinds of humor and to be A little uh looser than maybe sometimes people think we should be but all really all under her direction all under her mantle um in fact like the stars on my podcast logo um there's only three of them but i kind of i associate them with mary as stella maris um who is one of of my patrons sure yeah um so not it's a whole other different sea with me than actual ocean. But uh, so she's always there in these very subtle and sometimes not so subtle, I guess, ways um, guiding. And I ask too, I ask her to walk me through it. Um, So in a sense, I feel like a partnership with her on this, Um, trying to be authentically who I am, using my gifts just to entertain the people of God. That's, really all I'm here for. Um, I'm not a great theologian or academic and I'm never going to be, um, you know, all of these different other charisms, they're not mine. Um, And meditating on the the wedding feast of Cana while reading Your Blue Flame kind of made me realize like what my charisms really are and that this is one outlet that I can use them effectively. Hopefully, please listen to my podcast, let me know.
0: Have you reached out to Jen Fulweiler and tell her how she inspired you?
1: Not yet, but Jen, if you're listening, hey girl.
0: So Jen is actually, she left her job for background information. You know this, but for yeah. for those who are listening, she left her job at Sirius XM as a Catholic radio show host. She said, I feel really called and convicted to do a up comedy. So she quits her job and like the next day a pandemic happens and every, yeah. the whole world shuts down. And so she's trying to navigate that and make sense of that now but she trusted that she was following really the spirit's leading her in her life as she was looking at the gifts that she had and how can I use this to to support my family to spread cheer and she does what she calls clean comedy she has mm-hmm. another phrase for it but i can't think of it right now um but but really it's you know, very clean comedy. She doesn't, like mm-hmm. you said, she doesn't want to be crude. She wants it to be for other people to be able to listen. She talks about sharing the stage too with lots of others, uh, you know, and, you know, here she goes up and she does hers right after someone just had the, you know, very crude Uh, um, stand-up sketch. So she's Mm -hmm. trying to be a positive light in that industry. I'm a big fan of Jen Fulweiler's. I listen to her show all the time on on SiriusXM back in the day. I listen to her podcast now. I I actually, uh, I don't do a lot of Patreon, but I do do Patreon for her. So um, anyways, yeah, I'm a big fan and so happy to hear that she inspired you. And I'd encourage you to let her know that. Now- I will, I will. You mentioned- That uh, you're inspired by late night comedy and and you know, like the Tonight show yeah. or or Stephen Colbert, maybe maybe not these yep. names per se, but it anyways, yeah, <laughs> uh, is your little goal, maybe to to your partnering with Catholic TV and this grexley is it to be video at some point, do you think, or is it just going to be audio?
1: You know, when I started this and when I, I started setting it up, I just, I was in the moment. I'm like, this is what I can do right now. And right now, still, this is what I can do. Um, But I'm very open to wherever this leads or opportunities that this might open up. Adam, if you're listening, I love you. You're the best podcast editor ever. Um, But Adam is also the head of creative at at Catholic TV, as it turns out. Um, so he and I have talked about some things, but there's no, there are no plans currently for sure. anything more than audio. So you'll just have to listen to my voice and like it.
0: And what have the reactions been? So obviously you build a podcast, people people listen, they might even leave reviews, they might write you, you know, I get lots of emails from people that listen. Um, You know, I just got one randomly the other day uh, about my St. Joseph podcast. So Mm -hmm. um, have you gotten any listener feedback reactions?
1: There are like five reviews on Apple podcasts.
0: Sure, great.
1: And they all say that I'm pretty cool. I haven't gotten any emails yet, but I also say in my podcast descriptions that, you know, hate mail can go to hell and only fan mail. So I assume I don't have any fans since I've not received fan mail at my email address yet.
0: Well, you're very new. It <laughs> That's takes, okay. It takes a long time to build an audience, you know, to get that to oh, get there. Yeah. That's for sure. I always tell people like the things I do. I do it, sure, for the people that are listening right now. But you also do it for the replay because someone's going to find it three years from now or they're going to find it in a Google search yes. or whatever the case might be. And so, so you do have your audience of today, but you also have mm-hmm. your future audience that's going to discover you and uh, want to really binge all of those episodes. Well, let's hope so.
1: They're all under 30 minutes, so extremely bingeable.
0: That's great. I love a short <laughs> podcast. so
1: so do uh, I That was one of my things. um when I was creating it, I set up the parameter that I didn't want it to run for more than thirty minutes an episode because my attention span is pretty much gone at that point. And also as a as a mom and a and a writer, I don't have a lot of time to devote to just listen to things. So I have to
0: be extremely selective in what I do listen to. sure now. One of the things too, you mentioned to me when we were talking about the Blessed Mother previously, you said that you have a great devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows, which of course, Uh you know, you wonder why people are devoted to Our Lady of Sorrows. Wouldn't you want to be devoted to something happy? (laughs) But but (laughs) how is it that Our Lady of Sorrows has touched your life and the life of your family?
1: Yeah, so um, our history, my family's history with Uh, Our Lady of Sorrows, actually, it turns out, goes back several generations, I think five. Um, My great-grandmother, who's Italian, um, her name, she went by Mary, but her, her name was Maria Dolorosa, Mary Dolores. Oh, yeah. For Our Lady of Sorrows, her mom's name was Annunziata. Uh, so very Marian. They had a theme. Um, sure. But Mary Dolores. Mary Dolores and her siblings, there were, I believe in total, there were 13 siblings. Um, but after one birth, their mom died. Um, and there were three living at this point. Hmm. And the three of them were sent to live in an orphanage and Mary's younger brother and sister died in that orphanage and their dad said, that's it, you're coming home, I will not be separated from you anymore, we'll just make it work. And they did. Um, My great grandmother and her dad were like best friends um, for the rest of his life um, and very close because of this shared experience of so much loss. Right, so here we have so much loss um, and Mary Dolores. So Mary moved out a little east of Pittsburgh to this small mining town called Yukon, and the parish there is seven dollars. The seven sorrows of Mary. So then my grandmother um, was raised in this parish, and all of our family plots are at this parish. So we have two now. Um, then come up through like my life and everything. I've gone to that parish in that cemetery so many times throughout my life. Um, and then my grandmother, um, Mary's daughter died on September 15th, the
0: which is our lady of sorrows.
1: Yeah. Um, and a few months later, my mom then died and is buried at that parish. So at that point, When all of that happened, because this was in like a three to four month span, I think, of my grandmother dying and then my mom dying. Um, Now, this is my paternal grandmother. So now we're kind of switching sides of my family tree, if you're into that. Um, But Our Lady of Sorrows made it very clear that like, hello, I've been here for a long time. I am your family's patron. I will continue to be with you. And then I found out something cool. So my Italian family is from the region of Abruzzi. And the patron of Abruzzi is a a more newer, newly canonized (laughs) saint, (laughs) Um, St. Gabriel Pacenti. Now, I grew up knowing him as Gabriel of Abruzzi because that's where we're from, right? Well, his religious name is actually Gabriel of Our Lady of
0: Sorrows. I've heard of this guy.
1: Yeah. He is really cool. He appeared to St. Gemma Galgani as well. Um, and they were like saintly pals. Um, so he, here's our family patron, Gabriel of our lady of sorrows, great Grandmother Mary Dolores, the parish of $7 grandma dying on our lady of sorrows feast day. What really drove it home <laughs> and knew that I could never get away from her. When I was pregnant with my first child, who is a girl, Um, I was given the due date of September 15th. Wow. (laughs) She wasn't born on September 15th,
0: but I knew then I was like, yeah,
1: right. Like this is the medical due date for this child. Um, I'm here. I'm your mother. I've got you. Let's do this together. So now um, our lady of sorrows is also my daughter Ruby's patron. um, And she has a great devotion to her. Um, Mary as mother
0: and Mary as our lady of sorrows as well. When you say you have a devotion to our lady of sorrows, does that mean you have a picture of our lady of sorrows? You have a statue. Do you pray the seven sorrows rosary, anything like that, or just simply the connection. And you think of our lady and her sorrows. I meditate on her sorrows a lot. And that's kind of what started
1: my devotion. Once I realized that like, I can't ignore her, (laughs) um, I started with meditating on the sorrows. I pray the servite rosary, which is the seven sorrows rosary, um at least once a week. Um, it's longer, so it takes longer. Um, yeah, there's seven mysteries.
0: Time. You pray seven Hail Marys for each one of those mysteries. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. familiar with it yeah, for sure. So it adds up.
1: Um and then we have statues and images um of Our Lady of Sorrows as well uh, throughout the home. Um
0: yeah, always a good reminder, especially since she is the family patroness, in a sense. Yeah. So, yeah, Great. what a beautiful story, <laughs> just to see how Mary is connected to your life, how she inspired you, how she leads you, how really you can turn to a, a family devotion. Um, yeah. yeah, it's always interesting, I guess you could say, to see how all of these things unravel, you know, throughout history, that... That you see how Our Lady was there guiding your family or present in the devotion of your family life.
1: Right? Yeah. I just, you can't ignore her. I mean, you never can. But like, especially now when she makes it so blatant. Like, how rude would it be of me to be like, well, I really connect with you under this other title better or something like that. Now, that's not to say I don't connect with her under other titles, but my primary devotion in my life is definitely to Our Lady of Sorrows. Um, but secondarily, I mentioned her earlier to Stella Maris, Mary Stella Maris, who my second daughter is um, kind of named for or given patron uh, under.
0: So- I I often, to close the podcast, always ask people, well, what's your favorite title of Mary? So you've already answered that question. I also <laughs> always ask guests to share with me uh, their maybe a tip. You know, I think a lot of people pray the rosary and and they're like, I don't know if I really prayed it. I don't know if it was time well spent or whatever. They just struggle with it. So, is there <laughs> any tip that has really helped you to pray and engage the rosary better?
1: You know, keep a picture of Mary in front of you as you pray it. That has been. Man, that it just blown open everything so wide for me. Um, just pick a picture that you love of Mary or, or whatever you have lying around. But having a face to put to the name and the words, you're engaging in a real relationship. Um, and that helps deepen it for you on a personal level, but also just to make it more fun In a way as well, it sounds kind of funny. Prayer shouldn't exactly be fun, but and then again, it should be. (laughs) um, This is just our life. We're sharing our life, um, even in this specific prayer and in this specific way. So yeah, praying the rosary shouldn't be a chore. It should be something we want to do and that we're excited to do. And I find that having Mary's face right there in front of me, uh, helps me engage that better and engage her better because she doesn't need a picture of me to engage,
0: but I need one. (laughs) Sure. Do you have a favorite Marian apparition? She's appeared all over the world. These stories really touch hearts. Anyone that you've been drawn to over the years?
1: Yeah. Um, our lady of Guadalupe, uh, she was patroness of the parish I grew up in. Um, and well, our parish's name was actually Our Lady Queen of Americas. So we had stained glass windows of all the apparitions in North and South America. Hmm. Um, But we had two really giant ones of the Immaculate Conception because she's patroness of the United States and then of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I can remember from the time I was very, very tiny, like sitting there and staring at her and her face and Juan Diego's face and just these beautiful roses. So out of all apparitions, and I think that Our Lady of Guadalupe also is such a great, something I try to do in my writing is kind of tie the secular world and the Catholic world together. We're not really all that different, just different perspective on things. We can, there's a lot more meeting than we like to think. Um, And I think Our Lady really accomplished that in Guadalupe as well. So she's kind of a patroness to me in that way also um, because she took what was there um, of the native culture and of the, the colonized culture and wove it together to show these people that they are not that different, that she is there and the church is there for everyone. And that's what I want to do with my writing as well. And I think that's a direct inspiration from her. So I I do think her apparition there has played a a major part in my life.
0: There's lots of Marian shrines. Of course, there's some to these apparitions of Our Lady, but there's also just devotional shrines to a Mm -hmm. title of the Blessed Mother. Is there one that you've visited that has left an impression on you? Or one you want to go to?
1: If you don't want to go to all of them. I'm not going to lie. Like, okay. I just well, love good. Mary so much. And I love culture so much. I want to see everywhere that she has made this impact. And I want to know it and I want to get involved in it and just steeped in it. Uh, so I don't know if there's one in particular. I can't answer that question. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's fine. How about a Marian book recommendation? Is there a book about Mary you've read that you're just like, I think everybody should read this book about her? This is Where the
1: stumper. Start. Yeah. You know what, though? Total, total consecration to Jesus through Mary by Louis de Montfort. And anything Louis has written on Mary, really, um, I, that's kind of the standard go-to. He's the Marian guy. But yeah, that's right. it's true. It's for a reason.
0: <laughs> for sure. Um, Interestingly enough, I have a 10-day retreat book based on True Devotion to Mary that will release in October of this upcoming ah, year. Fine. So, so uh, stay tuned, everybody, for that Sweet. latest book of mine that really tries to break open the themes of what St. Louis de Montfort's trying to write about. So... Well, that's wonderful. I am so grateful, Teresa, that you joined me today on How They Love Mary to share about Marian devotion, your own life, and how Mary has guided you, how she prays for you, how she inspires you. If people want to learn more about you, your podcast, how can they find you on the internet? Well,
1: I'm very online you can always find me on Twitter, without a doubt, at Teresa Zoe. Um, My website is TeresaZoeWilliams.com, where you can keep up kind of with the latest projects and things that I am doing. I have a Facebook and an Instagram and a Patreon too, but all of that information can be found in one of those two places.
0: Yes. I saw on Twitter, you have a link tree. So you can like click this button and it'll (laughs) tell you where you to go. I need to make one of those link trees. So-
1: You know, it took- Many, many weeks of one friend just like constantly saying, hey, have you done this yet? I know it's on your to-do list. Do it. Do it. Do it like every day. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. She's like you've just got too many links. Make it all easy for
0: people. <laughs> yeah. No, that you're you're speaking to my soul right now. I should definitely do that. Well, that's great. Give Teresa a follow. Check out her podcast Up Too Late. And it releases in the evening hour, right? Like you release at yes. 7, 8 p.m.?
1: Uh, it's nine p.m. Eastern time every 8 p.m. Friday central night. Then. Okay. Yeah, eight central, or if you're in Colorado like me, that would be seven p.m., which isn't very late. But you know, you can listen to it later. People <laughs> like
0: me just. Listen to it, you know, when I'm driving at three o'clock in the afternoon or or the next day. So, but I'm sure there are a few of those people out there that probably stay up till eight o'clock central, nine eastern to say, I want to listen to some Catholic comedy. So that's great. You're doing great work, and please do. (laughs) Happy to cross paths with you today. Thanks for joining me.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was delightful.